Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to your favourite football podcast. This is Ranks FC. My name is Jack Collins and joining me as ever back as a trio, it's Mr. Sam Ty, the Rank God. Hello, my friend. Hello, mate. And of course, our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Yo, how are we doing, lads? Good. It's good to have you back as a you know a full part of this podcast. Obviously, you've been weaving your way back in, Dean, over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I just Voice came on a sub last week, didn't came I? On just as came a on a sub, sub last late week. sub. This time you've got the first team start again. It's uh, it's good yeah, to have you Yeah, I got the back. shirt back. The Football Daily fellow's gone back to where he came from, and here I am. You've managed to bin, you've binned off loads of people, but we uh, should probably start by saying thank you to three wonderful guests who we had on in Dean's absence. Obviously, we had Stevie Ganavas of Scouted Football. We had Ali Maxwell of Not The Top 20 and Doogie Critchley of Football Daily, who were all wonderful, wonderful stand-ins for our own transfer guru. So thank you so much to all of them for coming on and sharing their insights and their knowledge. Any transfer stories that I need to know? Uh, no, 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 no. Oh. It's, uh, you picked a good time to go away, mate. You picked a good and time that's, to that's go That's why away. I chose, mate. I think September, October, safe. No transfers hey, on the yeah. horizon at we'll all. We'll start to wind back up now ahead of the January window. Yeah, I'll be refreshed now. Absolutely. Full of Pringles and a bit of sun. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. And with that, we should probably start with things we love. And Dean, you're going to kick us off this week. Yeah, I mean, I'm keeping it very simple, really. The best thing about football is goals. And Mo Salah scored one of the best goals you could ever hope to see live. Unfortunately, I didn't see it live in person, but one of my mates did. And I mentioned this on the Patreon the other day. He sent us a, a WhatsApp from the game. He's a Liverpool fan. And he wrote, wow. Didn't know what he was talking about because obviously Fulham were playing at the same time. Quickly <laughs> jumped on my phone, logged on to see the game and caught the replay of Mo Salah just turning the Watford defence inside out. Almost literally. It's... I'm sure everybody's seen the goal by now. If you haven't, then just press pause and go and search Mo Salah's goal against Watford. It's it's brilliant, isn't it? Like the way he moves his feet is ridiculous. And this is this is the result of somebody that not only is obviously one of the best players in the world anyway, but it just has supreme confidence right now. It helps when you're playing against a team like Watford who have zero confidence and an incapable manager. But Hey, um, <laughs> hey. Sorry, cheap dig at Ranieri there from, from the Fulham lad. But yeah, honestly, like there was obviously the goal he scored before the break against Man City. And that was great. I personally preferred this goal against Watford. I think this tops it just because of the ingenuity that was involved in it to get him into that position and the way that he got out of that little space. Like I don't think there's anyone apart from Messi that could do that. But Salah, as we're told, the new go, the new guy that's going to go on and should be the, considered the best footballer in the world right now. Maybe he is. Maybe he is because I can't think of too many people that could do that. I think his form suggests he is, Sam. I, my question was going to be, is it better than the City goal? And my answer would probably be no. I was my my mind was just wearing. It's like who else could actually score that goal? It's a really good question from Dean. Like who who else can actually do that? And my mind immediately ran pretty dry of options. But Florian Verts. My wildcard suggestion would be, actually, I think Vinicius Jr. might be able to score that goal, just about. I think that there's very few players that can that can produce that level of footwork. And it is this little stud roll on the ball, 
where he drags it back. It is. It is. You'd argue that Neymar, really Neymar could probably do that in full. Uh, Neymar. Neymar, Neymar, maybe Havertz, yeah, possibly. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about those players that are like so rare, aren't they? They're supremely you to, blessed with footwork. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the, the ones we've suggested basically are Brazilian, so that's, uh, that's a pretty good indicator. Um, but yeah, I prefer the City one personally. I think the level of opposition definitely helps and, and swings it in his favour. But I think that um, Salah's right-footed finish against Man City was just, that's what really popped my eye sockets. And to see him finish like that with his right foot with such power across across the face of the goal at such an angle was really special. And do you know what? I think that finish actually almost in a way kind of led to the Watford finish because you see the way Craig Dawson goes to the floor once when he tries to stop him and then he gets back up again and then Mohamed Salah fakes to shoot with his right foot and Dawson believes that he's going to do it and he goes to the ground again and Salah puts him on the floor again, cuts back and hits it with his left. Two years ago, would you have ever expected Mohamed Salah to use his right foot? No, no, you're right. Never in a million years. He did it the other week against Manchester City and Dawson believes that he's going to do it again and he gets floored again. And then it leads to the goal. So I think they feed into each other in a way. And that's kind of beautiful. Yeah, there's a nice synergy going on there. A nice synergy. But yeah, I, I think there's a there's a fair argument to suggest that right now on form, Mohamed Salah is the best player in the world. And I genuinely think that the, the person who's sitting in second is Florian Verts. Um, so, so, have so you turned have your back on Mercedes Benzema? No, I haven't turned my back on him. I think he's also playing some wonderful football, but I haven't seen him play football in ages. So that's uh, Real Madrid keep cancelling games when they fancy it because they're missing a couple of players. And it's really unfair on the rest of the league. And I'm not very pleased about it. But I do want to talk about the Liga. So I'm going to move on to my things we love. And this is going from the mainstream to the fringes a little bit. But I think we need to talk about Osasuna. Yeah, and Osasuna's away form in particular. I've now, always this said season, this. I've always said we need to talk about Osasuna. Well, I just want you to hear me out for a second because yeah. Osasuna's away form this season has been nothing short of spectacular and their away games have all almost been incredibly entertaining. So first of all, in August, they beat Cadiz 3-2 and then they went to Alaves, they won 2-0. They went to Bjorka and won 3-2 and then at the weekend, they won 2-1 against Villarreal. Now, Osasuna are a bit of a funny outfit. They had a little bit of a, a tough ride of it last year, but it feels like they've really start to kick on. They are sitting in a Europa League spot in, in La Liga. They're ahead of Barcelona, Villarreal, Betis, Athletic Club, Valencia. There's a lot of big teams here who you'd imagine be in this conversation and also sooner ahead of all of them. Now, obviously, not all of those teams have played quite as many games. Athletic Club, Barcelona will have games in hand. But I do think it's worth putting out that this summer they brought in some really clever players. They brought in Kike Garcia uh, from Ibar, who was, who was the captain of Ibar for many years um, and they brought in Ante Budimir on a permanent deal and they've got just a really really fun side Chimia Vila is one of my favorite players to, to to watch in the entire world and actually talking about players with d- delicious footwork Chimia Vila is right up there as well but I think maybe the, maybe the really cool stuff is that over the last couple of weeks they've won you know three games in a row with the winning goal arriving post 87th minute like they are a goal, a team that have picked up eight points already of their 17 in the end of games. And it's really, really interesting just to keep watch them keep keep digging it out late. Uh, and just across the course of you know this this season, they've already lost a couple of games. They've lost to Betis. They've lost and they have a really tough couple of games coming up straight oh, away. They right? They, yeah, Granada they up next. That'll be the run. real test, won't it? The real test of their metal. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I, look, the more more importantly, that game's at home. They're not as good at home. Um, but then, <laughs> then they go away to Real Madrid. Then they play Sevilla. Then they play Real Sociedad, who are obviously top of the league at the moment. And then they play Atleti. It, it, it's not it's not a nice three weeks um, for anyone. So, so of course, you know, this is where we're going to see if this is just a flash in the pan, great start, you know, with a with a little bit of belief going about it, or it's actually something that can you know, facilitate over the course of the full season. But on the whole, I just think they've been a really entertaining watch, especially at the death of games. They don't ever believe they're beaten uh, and they and they, they sort of come up trumps a couple of times in a row. So just worth keeping an eye on us the sooner as far as I'm concerned. They've been really enjoyable. Honestly, the, the sooner other Spanish teams embrace the Osasuna way of never giving up and never surrendering at the last, the better. Because in La Liga at the moment, we're seeing such an unbelievable amount of stoppage time that... <laughs> There's now there's now like an extra 15 minutes to score a goal. And if you really genuinely just go for it and never give up and genuinely, genuinely just keep believing like Osasuna do late in games, you are going to pick up points. The amount of goals we're seeing nowadays in La Liga, they scored in the 96th, 97th, 98th, 99th minute across the board because they've all just decided to add on the appropriate amount of time. It's a remarkable watch, isn't it? Yeah. It's just it's just lots of fun. And and look, if there's anything I like in football, even more than goals, is fun. Um, and so, <laughs> therefore, Osasuna's rise up the La Liga table has been uh, incredibly enjoyable to watch. Um, as you know, at the moment, Betis are one of the only teams that have beaten them. So we uh, wait, wait. everything's everything's good in my books <laughs> at the moment. Everything's happy. Right, Sam, your things we love is basically your main ranking this week. So we're gonna we're gonna cancel it out of this bit. After the break, we're gonna be talking about the players who you might not know of in the Champions League, or you might know very little about, but you should know a little bit more. I can't wait for it. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Rank Sessi, where it's time for our main ranking, which means that Samtai. The floor is yours. Yeah, Jack, I think you described the ranking really well. Champions League players that you may know or may know a little about, but you, I think personally, you should know a lot more about. And uh, I've picked out some of my favourite players to talk about. This, this is kind of what we do on this pod. I get this free reign. It's lovely. Um, I kind of got the feeling when you sent this over on WhatsApp, it felt very much aimed at me. I thought this is this is aimed at people like me, like an idiot's guide to the Champions League, like a deeper look, like surface level. Yep, I'm on the Champions League, but I have got taken my off it a bit. Obviously, I was away for week two, week one. I only watched a couple of games and you sent through a couple of the players that you're going to be mentioning. And I was like, yeah, I really need to listen to what he says because I actually don't think I know these players. Did you do some preliminary research on those names? No. OK, good, because oh, I changed them no. all. I'm kidding. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, here. I'm, I'm here to learn today. It's like school. It's Champions League school. <laughs> well, listen, we're recording this on a Tuesday morning and uh, you know, some of these players are going to be in action this evening and then this podcast goes out on the Wednesday and you will have seen a couple of them. I really hope none of them play awfully because they will make me look very bad but this is the risk that you take but it felt right to put this in a Champions League week mid midpoint yeah. of the Champions League group stage uh, not too many storylines sort of standing out to me so I picked out five players and uh, I'm going to start at number five uh, how I've ranked them that's a good question uh, how exciting I think you'll find them when you watch them That'll do, won't nice. it? Yeah. So at number five yeah. is a goalkeeper because Dean hates goalkeepers. <laughs> Anatoly Trubin, Shakhtar Donetsk. He has just returned to the Shakhtar 11 at the weekend after a 
I guess, a minor knee surgery, if you can ever call a knee surgery minor. Uh, that kind of freaks me out, that term, but uh, it wasn't out for too long. Last time we saw him before that, he was busy putting in this man-of-the-match showing against Monaco in the Champions League qualifiers, which helped Shakhtar into this position in the first place. And Trubin is a player who I think is pretty solid and pretty good, but I don't think that many people know who he is because he's had the misfortune of kind of missing all of the big opportunities and big tickets that should sort of have come his way by now. So he's not been Shakhtar's number one for very long. And in the time that he's been there in the last couple of years, they kind of stopped making it out of the Champions League groups and into the knockouts. They kind of started falling into the Europa League. So Shakhtar's star as a whole has kind of fallen. He did not win the Under-20 World Cup with Ukraine. That was Andrew Lunin of Real Madrid. And he didn't play in goal for Ukraine at the Euros. So your opportunities to watch Anatoly Trubin, I would say, are limited. Okay, so we're here to talk to you about him. And I guess the reason he really sticks out to me is because he seems quite reliable. And you know my feelings on the Shakhtar Donetsk goalkeeper of the last 15 years, Andrew Piatov. You know I've always found him a bit curious to say the least. And so when I see a a good shot stopper who seems to instill confidence in his defence, not the opposite, and I don't think I've seen him make a mistake, I get very curious indeed. Now, I don't think he's perfect. I'm not a goalkeeper analyst. I think it's a very separate area of the game and I'm doing my best with it. But he does strike me as a, maybe could be a little bit more agile, maybe move his feet a little bit faster across his line, get down a bit lower, a bit quicker. But he's put together some really good games. And that game in particular against Monaco He's kind of the reason they're even in this position in the first place because he was an absolute world beater in that one. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think the game that jumps out is the one that I remember seeing Trubin in and, and going, okay, there's a star on the rise there, was a game in the Champions League last year where Shakhtar hung on to qualify, obviously, for the Europa League at the expense of Inter Milan. And it was a bit of a mad game, right? Because there was all sorts going on, but there was also this group where Real Madrid... Richie Mitchell Gladbach, Shakhtar Donetsk and Inter Milan were, were together. So there was there was always going to be a big casualty. Loved here, Group right? B that year. Group it B was, was the one. It was it was a great it was great times for everyone involved. Um, and Trubin was in goal and he put on an absolute masterclass. And at the time, I think he was linked to a couple of clubs. Arsenal were, uh, were named at the time. I don't think Arsenal going to be signing any goalkeepers for a long time. But you know, at the time they were looking at him. There was uh, there was some interest, I think, from Bayer Leverkusen. There's a couple of different clubs involved keeping an eye on Trubin, and it was the one we were like, okay, he has had a game here. Uh, and then I think that over the course of the last year. You know, I agree with you. It's those moments where it just hasn't gone for him. He's either been injured in big moments. And I think, you know, you look at the Shakhtar qualifiers for this year's Champions League where he got himself injured and, and Piatov had to come in again and stepped up and was absolutely magnificent in that game against Monaco. So, it, you know, it gets to that point. You're like, oh, OK, fine. He's just done it again. It's, it's the old boy who's taking back the gloves and having a moment. And and Trubin seems to suffer a little bit for being the the other party in this relationship, if you will. And and that's a, this is a strange one. But, you know, obviously we had uh, Zoria Londonsk on the Patreon pods a couple of weeks back, and he spoke about Trubin and this kind of crop of Ukrainian goalkeepers coming through. does feel like there's some real talent in this bunch. does, yeah. And the good news for Trubin is... Um... He is he is the pick again for Shakhtar at number one now. Our our friend from Zoya Londonsk, Andrew Todos, was was in the press conference at the weekend and asked Roberto Dzerbi specifically, who is your number one now? Because Trubin's come back in, he's played very well. What do you think? Because Piatov's been a, a very, very good in his stead. 
And De Serbi was pretty unequivocal. He said, yeah, he's back in. He's my number one unless something changes, but he's he's my guy. So he is getting that show of faith from Shakhtar now and from De Serbi, which yeah, maybe, maybe in the past he's suffered from a little bit or hasn't had it at national level or under 20 level or whatever it is, or his injuries have kept him out. But there seems to be a lot of faith in him right now. And that's going to that's gonna carry him through, I think, because it seems pretty good to me. Although I'd be very interested if there's any goalkeeping analysts listening. How good is he? How good could he be? I am very interested in that. At the moment, I'm mostly intrigued because he's not mad. <laughs> he's a Shakhtar Donetsk keeper that's not mad. It makes a change, doesn't it? Makes yeah. a change. You're able to uh, get something out of it. All right, then. Who's in at number four? So at four, we'll get a bit older now, a bit more established, but someone that we don't talk about very often individually, his team, sure, but him individually, not so much, is Joan Jordan from Sevilla, the 27-year-old central midfielder. And Sevilla, I think, probably are in this La Liga title race. And as well, as our Real Sociedad, as are a bunch of teams because of the, the state of the top Osasuna. three. Osasuna. Osasuna in the title race. And they are an incredibly robust team, a very physical team, a very effective team. They actually play that well most of the time, to be honest with you. It kind of feels like this season they haven't really played that well, but they are grinding out victories. It's because they're absolutely horrible to play against. Horrible to play against, and they're very consistent. They've got a number of players through their spine who are very, very consistent. And I think Joan Jordan is is up there with the most consistent they've got and probably low-key one of their better players. And actually, the other week when we were talking about Spain's midfield call-ups and I mistakenly was criticising the early call-up of Gavi, which I got very wrong very early, I talked about a few other players like, oh, why don't you call up this guy? Why don't you call up this guy? I didn't mention Jordan and I felt bad about it afterwards because he's super consistent and he's really good. So we don't talk about him enough. Let's fix it. He is about six foot. He's slim, but he's very powerful. And he's the very definition of a do-it-all midfielder. He does literally everything. And he does everything to about an eight out of 10 score, which is fitting because he wears number eight for Severe and his best position is number eight in a 4-3-3. Although I think if you stuck him in a in a midfield pivot in a 4-2-3-1, he'd be okay as well. But Every game you watch him play, you see that he has a, a physical nature that I don't think a lot of Spain's midfield midfielders have, but he also has technical ability. He covers a lot of ground. He tackles and intercepts. He's got good positioning. He's got good football IQ. He can then carry the ball. He can move into the box. He can carry into tight spaces. He's got a really good long pass and switch pass on him, and he can take a really good free kick and a decent corner as well. And I did sit there earlier and think can I think of any players really that are this genuinely this well-rounded in midfield and it is a struggle to think of anybody who can do quite as many things as him to just a very good level now he's not the best at anything but he is very very good at everything and very consistent and an extremely reliable head to have in there I think he's starting to become maybe Sevilla's best central midfielder which is a title maybe Ivan Rakitic has had for the last 18 months or so. I think Lopetegui is really starting to trust him to a, to another level now. He's, he's really blossoming this season. Do you know what I learned the most there, Sam? That his oh. name is not Joan Jordan. Joan. Whenever I see his name, I'm like, oh, Joan Jordan. I wonder, what if, is, he, is he English or American? And there you are, first lesson. It's not Joan. either. It's not that I, at all. I think it's Joan <laughs> He's from Catalonia. So I think they it do makes that. a lot more sense, mate. It makes I, so much more sense. No, but I, I mean, I've heard some people say, you know, Juan Jordan because it's a J, but I think he's from Catalonia. So I think it's a. So I you never heard anyone a, say Joan Jordan? 
Until this moment, no, no. That's a new one. Well, wait till he comes to the Premier League, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Him and Joan Jordan and Joe Linton. (laughs) It's it's an interesting one, actually, because I think there was a a moment, a split for me between his performances pre that coronavirus enforced break and post it. Obviously, he was still an important part of this tie, but he was he was very much a rotating piece, I think, at that point. You know, you'd, you'd see him come in, you'd see him come out. It wasn't so much that he was this key guy. And then suddenly, post that break and through last season, he has been such a kind of key element for Severe. And, and like you say, Sam, I, I think it's about that kind of quiet rise. And obviously, when you look at you look at his career and you look at where where he's kind of come from and the way that all of it's come through, and, and the fact that he you know came through Espanyol, quietly didn't make too many appearances I think just over 10 just just into double figures for Espanyol over three years although one of them he was out on loan he was on loan at Valladolid and then from there he went to Ibar where he kind of made himself a mainstay for a couple of years and then he moved to Sevilla and it it is that kind of quiet rise up the ranks I think that you you sometimes see and you're like oh that's interesting and and as with Sevilla and their transfer policy and obviously Monchi being back and all of these things you look at it and go, oh, they've just made another really clever little signing for you know a sensible amount of money, and and then they've let him grow and bed into this side. And I think the fact that there's been turnover in terms of players, and you look at you know there used to be Ever Benego, who was the you know heartbeat of this team, and 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 as he's left, I think Joan Jordan has has kind of moved into the mold. Now they're not similar players. Benega was all silk. Um, I don't think Jordan would ever be described by anyone as all silk. He's um. He's an incredibly hardworking, incredibly good footballer, but he's not as technically gifted as ever Benega was. That's no insult. Very, Very few, few players are. are. Yeah. But he, he's much more of a workhorse in, in the middle there. And he's much much more of a, a player who'll give you that defensive output as well as, uh, you know, that kind of rangy stride in the middle. So, uh, you know, across the course of this and, and the fact that you, you, you look at what Jordan brings and the fact that Sevilla, as you say, are no longer maybe as silky as they once were, but they're a fair bit more functional. And I do think that, you know, his influence on this team continues to grow. And and, and that's part of why that change has, has been enacted and also part of why this Sevilla team are so hard to break down and so hard to beat. Yeah, I think he epitomizes them in a lot of ways because he is so well-rounded, has so many different skill sets and can do so many different things and is so consistent. And those are kind of things that I associate with Severe. I think they can beat you in a number of ways. They can hang on, they can dominate, they can do this, they can do that. And they always seem to grind it out. And I think a lot of his traits really come through in the team's traits, which is kind of nice to see from the central midfielder because that kind of feels right, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And he's a lovely set piece taker as well. So there's yeah. um, there's there's loads going on here. He's a, he's a player that I think, as you say, it probably should be getting a look in in the Spain setup. Um, and well, Lutre doesn't point. seem to like him very much, but uh, you know, I'm sure he'll be he'll be okay. And he's by far the oldest player on this list. The rest of them are all kiddies. But I, I think you nailed it there when you said quiet rise. He sort of snuck up on you. Just oh my god, he's now really important. Super, yeah, super, yeah. super important. He was always good, but was he ever this key? Probably not. And uh, yeah, well, well done to well done to Joan Jordan. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Who's in at three, Sam? So. Top three time and struggle to rank these because they're all awesome. But I'm going to go for number three, Darwin Nunez, 22-year-old forward at Benfica. And he is, in my mind, in the future, uh, a number nine. 
uh, a number nine, probably in the mold of a Dusan Vlahovic, sort of poor man's Erling Haaland, kind of physical profile to die for. He's got this acceleration. He's got this uh, bullish strength. Uh, he's very direct. He's very aggressive. Um, he can decelerate. He can change direction. It's it's incredible to watch. But he's playing as a wide forward right now. And he's going down the Rafael Leal route, should we call it. Benfica are trying to use him on, on the left-hand side quite a lot. Um, the way that they sort of play the ball seems to be that they can get the left winger in behind the defence a bit more. So he's almost playing his number nine role from the left flank and getting in behind. And we saw against Barcelona in match day two just how devastating this guy can be when you let him run onto the ball and when you let him square up to a defender and bear down on them. He's got some good footwork. He's got some great acceleration and quickness to him. He's a good finisher and he's a hard worker. And there actually isn't that much that I look at Nunez's game and think, well, you need to work on this, you work on that. I don't think there's not that much wrong with him already. I mean, I really, really like him. Maybe I'm just blinded by the fact that he's just kind of, Uruguay have got another striker coming through for the first time in a long time. And I'm really excited about it. There's probably a suggestion that if he were to play in the number nine role, where I think I see him in the future, I think his link-up playing, his close control and that sort of stuff, it probably needs to improve a little bit. But right now, it's not really that much of an option because he's much more one-on-one based over on the wide side and playing that layout role. And I hope I hope to see him in the next couple of years moving in as that number nine and leading the line. I think he's got the strength about him to really occupy two centre-backs and give them a really horrible afternoon or evening um, and occupy two at once, like like a Haaland would, like a Vlahovic would, and just run them ragged. But right now, it is that layout thing. It's that, um, let's put you on the flank and let's get you a little bit more acclimatised. But you can see him, you can see his game awareness sort of picking up from playing over there. You can see his IQ rising. You can see him picking out interesting passes. You can see him picking up good crosses. I always say this, but strikers seem to be really good crossers. They know exactly what cross they want to receive. And I'm kind of getting that from him out there as well. He's not crossing loads. He's not David Beckham or anything, but he feeds the odd ball into the box. And you're like, that was very astute. Like that, that's not, not what I would expect from a number nine. So yeah, he's a very interesting player. And that Barcelona performance probably just elevated him a little bit more in a lot of people's minds. Good yeah, news. I mean, I've heard I mean, of him. Yeah, here we are. Mainly because uh, he's been linked quite heavily with transfer in, in the last year or so. And Man United and Man City... Uh, the clubs that have been scouting him most heavily from what I've heard anyway. So that, that's why he's, he was on my radar and I, I was aware of him. Didn't know anyone near that much detail about the type of player he was. But if he's anything like Vlavic and, and Holland, then uh, <laughs> sign him up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he got he got five and eight in the Europa League last year, which was a pretty impressive return, I thought. And, and then when you look at what he says, I mean, look, it's, you're going to get the lazy comparisons, aren't you? People are going to call him uh, the new Edison Cavani. That's that's the comparison he's going to get as as he come along. You know, as you say, someone who played a little bit wider to points during their career. He's bigger than Cavani. Feels like more of a kind of strength option. Um, I think he's going to be a, a little tank, bit more. To be honest with yeah. you, but you can see the you can see the similarities in other aspects of that game. You know, the the all roundedness, the willingness to track back and work hard, and that kind of incisive ability to to, to cut through the teams at the moment. And, and I think it's early Cavani in terms of way was it was playing a little bit wider and 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 coming off the wing and basically you know tucking in alongside the center forward at times i mean look, this kind of dynamic between nunez and, and yuremchuk is is something we really need to keep an eye on because 
they're, they're building a relationship that really seems to be playing to both of their strengths. And obviously you see the way that the rest of this Benfica side is set up. And you have obviously the the creativity of Rafa Silva in there and and Pitsy and, and and all the rest. But we were talking about the start of the of this season about the fact that they had too many striking options. You know, they they, they did offload some of them. We, we yeah, they got rid of a few. They got rid of a couple. But we still looked at it and we're like, this is very heavy, very heavy in terms of striking options. And Nunez and, and Uremchuk have find sort of solidified, I think, the fact that they are the the go-to options from, yes, they're playing uh, Nunez slightly wider and, and off that left flank. And against Barcelona, he was basically unplayable. Um, but that's what happens if you if you give him a good physical matchup and he's able to just tear through defences. And I'm excited to see how far he goes here because there is a real sense that we're, we're, we're witnessing the kind of endeavour and birth of, of something special. Obviously, the he, he's the biggest transfer ever to come out of the Segunda. Um, he went to Almeria, if I'm not mistaken, after he left Uruguay. And um, he, he scored a ludicrous amount of goals in the second division. I think he was on more than a goal every two games. Um, and Benfica went, fine, we'll pay 20 million for a player who's only ever played in, in Div 2 in Spain. Um, and it's paying off. And that's good, good recruitment. And also the kind of feeling that you, you, they knew they were onto something special with Nunez. And I think, I think we really are. Yeah, very much so. If only every time they dropped 20 million euros on a player, it was this successful because recently they've had a couple of misses, haven't they? Benfica and Porto, always in my mind, very, very good in the market. But recently, they've definitely started dropping more money on a few different players here and there. And it's not always quite working out, is it? Like Everton and Pedrinho, although to be, to be fair, fair they, with Pedrinho, they, they made it back. They probably, yeah, they made it back exactly. And they probably should have just given maybe a little bit more thought to it and maybe given him another, give him a second season, you know, but uh, never mind. Yeah. But Nunez for 20 million, it was a bit of a risk, I'd imagine. But man, there have been some good players coming out of that Segunda. It, like you watch Cucho Hernandez score a bucket load of goals in that division. And it's, Maybe it's too easy to score in that division, but I don't, I don't think it is. I think we're just, we're just. I think it's a good landing platform for a lot of, of very good South American strikers, and Nunez is is the latest one. Yes, absolutely. Which takes us on to number two, mate. Right, number two. I wish this guy was more of a household name, and he should be. But injuries last season and this season have kind of cut his playing time down a little bit. In addition to an incredible amount of competition to get into this team, it's Mohamed Kudus. 21-year-old attacking midfielder, kind of, again, does a lot of different things, which we'll get onto, who plays for Ajax. And he's a wonderful, wonderful player. Like, you're talking about Eva Benega earlier, and talking about him as a, as a wonderful player. Caduce is similarly silky. He is a silken footballer. He's this immense technical ability, immense body control. His dribbling and slaloming is amazing. He squeezes through tight spots. He's so skillful in tight areas he keeps doing Maradona turns on the edge of the box and then feeding a reverse pass into a runner it's it's incredible stuff and I guess the main thing I like about him is that he feels like two players rolled into one and what I mean by that is I call him attacking mid but he's it's hard to really pin him down because when he plays attacking mid he drops all the way in all the way deep to midfield picks up the ball off his center backs drops a shoulder carries it 25 yards lays it off wriggles past someone then when he gets into the box and gets into that final third, he becomes a number 10 in in essence. And he's got exceptional vision. He can pull off crazy passes. He's got a decent goal threat from anywhere inside 18 yards. He finds space in the box. So we're talking about a player who can drop in and take the ball and become 
a sort of carrying transitional threat, can transition you from defence into attack and can cover that entire midfield third. And then once he gets into the final third, transforms into a different player again and becomes incredibly useful in a different way. And there just like aren't that many players that are that multifunctional and that good at so many different functions as a midfielder. You're talking about uh, an Ndombele style low center of gravity dribbling guy from deep who can pick a pass forward and then he gets into the final third and he becomes like a David Silva style player it's like how the hell have you managed to roll those two skill sets into one player <laughs> that's some praise that's mm. some praise but it's um it's true I, it, it's such a shame that his his opportunities have been so limited and we've almost seen him play as much for his country as we have for Ajax, right? I think he's only made double the appearances for club as he has for country. But remember his start at Ajax was exceptional, if I'm not mistaken. He, he, I think he got a couple of, a couple of assists and a goal in his, in his first two, three appearances. And everyone was like, Oh God, we're onto something unbelievably special. And then it was against Liverpool. Was it not in the champions league where he did his meniscus and was out for in a prolonged period of time. But it's interesting just to see the way he's deployed in in these two different roles, right? Because actually he's played all over the place for Ghana. And he's, he scored a three, three goals for his country, I think, picked up a couple of assists there in the seven games he's actually played. We've seen him play centre mid. We've seen him play attacking mid. We've seen him play out wide. We've seen him play through the middle up front at one point. It, that, that didn't go so well, I'll be honest. But, you know, the rest of it, where you're seeing him sort of slot into all of these positions... He's a bit of a Swiss army knife. I'm going to use it. He's afraid. Um, (laughs) But I I think that's right. And actually having him playing a little bit deeper seems to unlock him a little bit more, I think, because Mm. he's able to just decide what part of his game he's going to facilitate over the course of the next couple of minutes. And he's such an intelligent footballer that he's able to just metamorph into what is needed at any given time. And on top of that, he's just a delightful watch. So I think this is a really good shout, Sam, and, and I'm really hoping that this is the season that we see him really start to blossom into in, into something very special. Sam, what do you reckon in terms of rumours of this guy? Like, Obviously, anyone that does well at Ajax is immediately linked to every big club in the world. Like, Where are we at? How far <laughs> along that? How far along that well, I mean, he's, he's still, he still needs to put together a full season, I think, in, in the Eredivisie. I don't know if the injuries that he sustained make him an injury concern. And therefore, you know, strike him off a few shortlists or whether or not he just got a bit unlucky and then a bit unlucky again and he'll be okay soon. But yeah, he needs to break into the Ajax side first um, because right now we're talking about, you know, Anthony and co rather than Mohamed Kudus as your potential exits. I do wonder if he's, an, he's a very, very, very talented player in so many ways. I do wonder how he would be deployed by a Premier League team. Because playing for a dominant Ajax side, you can play him as a sort of 10 dropping all the way in or as a number eight. But I don't think that a Premier League team would play Caduce as an eight. I don't no, think that would happen. It's a, bit, it's a bit Mason Mount, isn't it? You could probably play Mason Mount as an eight if if you were the the, the dominant side in, in so many ways. But in a, in a Premier League capacity, he usually plays as more of a 10. Yeah, yeah. I also think that Ndombele comparison where like Tottenham on, want to use Ndombele as a 10 when it's obvious that his best abilities are dribbling out of pressure deep and then also feeding passes forward into forwards quickly 
And you can't really do that as a 10 because you're never deep enough and you don't have the people to aim for. So it's a funny one because that is a huge part of Caduceus' game, but that wouldn't be able to, you can't really see that that much as a traditional 10 or even as a wide man. So it's a really weird one. I don't want him to come to the Premier League because I think we'd miss it. Yeah. We'd just completely mishandle him. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, the teams that are linked with him so far, Newcastle, Everton and Tottenham. But there was a report saying the only team he wants to join is Liverpool. So if he goes to Liverpool, it wouldn't be the end of the world. No, just a well-run club with, with yeah. players who are often playing in the right <laughs> positions. Uh, fantastic. For that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think it's incredible, Sam, that you've picked a player here who has played a, like a total of about six Champions League minutes, <laughs> who has, hasn't basically featured, at well, hasn't featured full stop in, in the competition this, this year so far, and has played that one game against Liverpool where he, he got injured after seven minutes and, and was stretched off. So it, it's a really interesting one, and I'm really glad to see him back into the Ajax squad. Obviously, we've seen him come back off the bench in the first two games, Got a couple of minutes against Fortuna, a couple of games against Grenigan, um, but then made a start against here in vain. So, you know, nice to nice to see that he, he's starting to come back in and intrigued to see if he gets the nod now this week, you know, in, in, in the Champions League and finally gets to to try and make his mark on the competition, you know, a year and a half after signing for Ajax. Yeah, and we'll see. Kudos, right? doesn't he? Oh, yeah, Sean. Yeah, yeah. Here we are. Here he is. Roll it on. Worth having it. Worth having it. Right then, Sam. That leaves us with number one. Who's top of your list? Nah, top of the list. One of the weirdest players I've seen play football in quite a while. And um, I think it's I think it's pronounced Charles de Ketelar for Club Bruges, but I'm not 100% sure on that one. But Club Bruges have got quite a lot of very interesting players, a lot of young players. Belgium, as usual, forming this wonderful platform and breeding ground for young players and Club Bruges have given quite a few of these guys an opportunity to come through and impress whether it's from their academy or whether they've brought them in like a Noah Lang style player but De Ketelaar is a weird 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 player because he is a tall striker who is quite weak to be honest doesn't want to play as a target man doesn't want to ruffle up with with centre-backs, doesn't want to get involved in that contest. He wants to play and is, and I can't escape this comparison, Having chat, I've, I've had a quick chat with friend of the pod, Harry Brooks, about Charles de Ketelar because we're not sure what he is. Harry said that he reminds him of Ozil. And okay. I can't That's really... That's not the comparison I would have gone with, but okay. But it's, so I think it's the, it's the languid, weird dribbling upright body stance, very slim, clearly not like a particularly powerful player, but very, very graceful. Does he look very, fed up a lot graceful. of the time? I'm, no, so I'm going to give you one, Sam. I'm going to give you one. Josip Ilicic. No, That's see, who he reminds me of. Josip Ilicic. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. But anyway, let's get back to the point. So like he's, he's, a, tall, he's a tall forward. He does play up front for Club Bruges, more or less. Hans Vanneken plays just in behind him and Noah Lang plays off, off the left-hand side and, and, and De Ketelaar plays up front. He does run a bit in behind. He is kind of athletic, but not massively. He, But he's he's the, the key to him is that he is extremely skillful and he pirouettes and he back heels and he's got a great amount of vision and awareness and 360 vision. And yeah, when he sort of does start to carry the ball and, and, and take it into tight spaces and he wriggles round players, there is a there is an Urzel early grade kind of Urzel to it. There is. It's it's a bit of a stiff style, but it's it's very, very effective. 
The thing that sets him apart, though, I think probably here, and and, and the way that the way that we leave the Urzel comparison behind is that he he works his bollocks off, like as you have to for Club Bruges. He is an absolute workhorse presser. And I don't think you could really ever have said that about Meza Ozil. So you're combining this kind of languid technical ability between the lines and a link-up play from a forward with a workhorse ability. And then you're putting that in a guy who's like 6'1", 6'2", but isn't very strong and doesn't want to play up against defenders. Like I said, weird player. Super weird. I really can't wrap my head around this guy. But I implore you to watch him because it's just bizarre. West Ham really like him. Like they are. Oh, the guy, they are. He's, he's a forward dean. He's a forward. Yeah, well, they are. They've been he's quite not Jack. for a little while. No. Yeah, they're the club that I've heard spoken to uh, most heavily about about him. So we'll see. I mean, don't really want that to happen. But I don't. I don't, I don't feel good about that at all. No, as, a, as a fit. I don't want to. I don't want to reduce De Ketelaar to running the channels and being physical because he's not physical he's not just yeah, ask it, it's quite LA interesting to have a word with him yeah exactly it's quite interesting though because uh, you know you watch him and you go he, he does his link up plays really good but he doesn't he doesn't back into defenders so he holds the ball up really well but without actually using any sort of physical attributes normally when you say i oh, is a good hold up man you're thinking about you know someone who backs in who's able to take it to feet and lay it off it's nothing like that no. but he is a good hold up man because it's very difficult to get the ball off him and yeah. so what he does is he just sort of wanders around in a circle with the ball for a while while everyone else catches up with him mm. and it's it's quite an interesting watch but i i do think no i mean i'm i'm still a quite sold on the illichich comparison i think especially when he's running in that kind of upright style mm. there's definitely and then the way that he gets around players the little tricks and flicks there's definitely illichich in there now and it's not a perfect comparison i agree but it's um, i don't think there is one mate i, I really can't I really can't stress enough how strange an experience his it is. Movement, his movement is glorious. Mm. And and I think that's, you know, one of these kind of key elements to all of this. And it's 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 the unlocking factor in in perhaps what we're talking about, right? The fact that we can't put a name on it, put a nose on exactly why he's so good, is it's all because his movement is so smart. And he just finds space. He, he looks at it and goes, oh, okay, there's the opening. If I get the ball there, I'll be able to hold on to it for five or six seconds longer than I would if I got it over here. And the, the, whole, the whole way he plays is based on kind of just being a couple of seconds ahead of everyone else. And you see it with all the great players, right? They make the game play at their own pace. They make the game look like they're playing at slower capacity mm. than anyone else on the pitch. And he does this to a T. He is a yeah. glorious watch. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. He does. He does do those things, and that does set. He he, he looks like he's playing slow, but he's not. Um, which is a great compliment to him. What we're describing is a kind of deep lying forward who wants to drop in rather than rather than running behind or, or tussle with defenders. But we're sort of describing a false nine, um, is which it, is is it, there's a bit Kai Havertz. <laughs> oh, uh, Havertz is much faster. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. There's, there's there's an element of that to it, I guess. Um, I think we, I think we are trying to describe a false nine without necessarily saying it because it's become a bit of a taboo phrase in certain areas now. But um, yeah, that kind of withdrawn forward, he he finds space by dropping in. He always seems to have a lot of time. Great three sixty vision, great creativity. Doesn't want to tussle with you. Doesn't really want to try and out sprint you. It's all it's all up in here. It's all in the brain. It's it's. Yeah, as you can tell, I like I genuinely struggle to talk about him, but I needed to talk. I needed to produce like introduce him because I'm finding it so bizarre, like just to watch him. I started well, watching Club Bruges for Noah Lang, and was like, 
what is that guy? Mm. What's up, he up front, doing up front? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> is yeah, it's, it's a it's a really odd combination, and I think this is it. We're trying to we're not trying to force com- comparisons on him because it's not about like oh he could be the next. It's no, not we're about just trying that. to help it's just our trying listeners. To find, yeah, absolutely, and and then there is that element and. I mean, he's better than this, but I remember when when Patrick Schick came through and became a forward, and you were a bit like, what are you doing? You, you don't <laughs> want the physicality, and yet you're still quite fast, you're good at dribbling still, but you've lost a bit of it because you're really tall. Kettler's a bit like if Patrick Schick hadn't lost that dribbling ability and was still as unbelievably nippy as he was as a winger, but also with the added height that, that Schick now has. So mm. it, it's, it's a bit of a strange one. So... I completely appreciate it. And I think that there's so much to be enjoyed here. I think we're going to have to let him, he's still very, very young, mm. let him fill out a little bit more as a player and, and and work out exactly where he fits before he gets any moves. Um, because it does feel like, you know, how do you, how do you bring a player like this into a team if he's not even 100% sure what, what he is, or especially if you're not sure tactically how he fits into a setup. Right now it's working and I'm really enjoying it. And that's all I need to know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, apologies to the defenders out there because over the course of these five, I've covered a goalkeeper, a workhorse central midfielder, a wide forward who will become a number nine, a do-it-all midfielder and of something else that is Charles de Ketelaar. Uh No defenders in sight and I apologise for that, but uh, these are the five players that are really taking my fancy right now. Thank you so much, Sam. That was a, a really interesting ranking, I think. I mean, look, I mean, let's throw it to Dean. Dean, you were, how, how was school? How was Champions League school? <laughs> it was better than the school I went to when I was a kid. So, yeah, I wish all lessons had been like that. I was much more intrigued. I only switched off a couple of times, and that's that's far less than I used to switch off when I was actually at school. So, well <laughs> done, Sam. You're a very good team. <laughs> Thank you, I'm mate. kidding. I'm kidding. These are the highest <laughs> compliments Dean will ever pay. So, it's no, uh, you've got to take them as they come. It was come. good. No, I do like, you know, the beauty of this pod, obviously, is like we've all just got we watch football in completely different ways. And I think that that's like one of the best things about this pod. Like people listen to it and they get such an array of different things. And like that includes us as well. Like some weeks I tell you two stuff about transfers. Sometimes you tell me stuff about niche footballers I've never heard of. And and it works both ways very nicely. You can always guarantee one thing though. I'll talk about a striker and Dean will say, yeah, West Ham like him. <laughs> yeah, that's that happens a lot. Yeah, and it's usually right, actually. Yeah, that's true. He's it's on the true. list that's... of 467 targets for January. Yeah, 467 target men. Um, <laughs> no, not even just targets. Right, yeah. after the break, we've got Melon of the Week and, of course, the gibberish rankings. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time for my favourite part of every single week. Dean Jones, floor is yours. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Lazio's Luis Felipe. Oh dear, this was weird. This was very weird. So Lazio beat Inter Milan 3-1. Great result for them. Everybody gets very excited about it. Particularly Luis Felipe, who runs and jumps on the back of one of the opposing players to celebrate. His mate, his mate of course, Joaquin Correa. Uh, Correa is... A, on loan, right, at Inter Milan from Lazio. He wasn't very happy about this. Like, he's standing there, like, about to trudge off the pitch after his team have lost 3-1. And Felipe just got so excited in the moment that he is his mate. Like, they are friends. 
And to celebrate the moment, he's run over and jumps on his back like he should be happy too. Um, he's been forced to apologise. I mean, the moment sparked like a, a melee on the pitch. I mean, Correa like threw him off his back. At the time, obviously, he didn't know who it was, didn't know what was going on. That was melee of the week. That's a separate thing. Melee of the week, yeah. <laughs> and then he turns around and sees his friend and isn't really sure how to react. So he just kind of wanders over while all his teammates run over and want to hit him. He's been forced to apologise, just says he got, he got way too excited in the moment. And because he's his mate, he thought it would be funny. He thought it would be a good moment to have a, a bit of fun. But um, as he looks back on it, yeah, probably not a great place or a great time to, to joke about something like that as he trudges off the pitch after losing 3-1 for the team he's on loan at. It's pretty melanish. Not sure I've ever seen anyone do that before, celebrate with the other team. Yeah. It and, is. It's not, and it's not quite <laughs> not quite the full story either because he then gets sent off. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, he is sent off. Yeah, that's true. And now <laughs> he's banned for three games. And, yeah. And he leaves the field in tears. Yeah, it was... The, the scenes <laughs> of him in tears is actually hilarious um <laughs> it's really really he has, stupid he's he like has a breakdown almost like he can't believe that that's the outcome it's like what is going on here like of course this is happening yeah i mean you're right that that is <laughs> i didn't tell the full story you can see the clip now i mean it's, it's all over the place um even it's not very often that um english newspapers cover like events from foreign games but this made a lot of the newspapers in England because it's so rare I guess that somebody celebrates the other team jumps on someone's back gets thrown off starts a fight gets sent off cries gets banned yeah <laughs> it was it was very melanish there was there was actually another contender this week I thought Dean that you might you might have seen is um the Aaron McCary of Glen Turin in Northern Ireland I don't know if you see this but basically his teammate Bobby Burns gives the ball away for an equalizer about 10 minutes left um, in the game. And McCary is so angry with this, the goalkeeper, that he goes out and punches his teammate in the face and gets sent off for it. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> which is a bit different, but it's sort of like the flip side of this, right? It's yeah, the it's uh, proper uh, Kieran Dyerly Bowyer vibes. Yeah, like, yeah, he goes and just sort of like, he like, he almost goes like, he pushes out almost at him, but in his face. And the player goes down, Bobby Burns goes down. McCary's sent off. <laughs> Everyone's like, what's happening here? And um Does and yeah, Bobby Burns like, go down like clutching his face like ref, yeah, that's yeah. a red, and then go, Oh no, hang on, that's not a red. Oh no, no sorry. No, no. <laughs> Bobby Burns stays down. It's not um Bobby Burns is not pleased. But yeah, I mean the, the Glenter manager said that there was no problems in the dressing room, but uh, I, I would argue there might be. Are we uh, sure about yeah, there wasn't one. there will be now? If my my goalkeeper punched me in the face, I would probably ask to leave. I think um, a lot of goalkeepers <laughs> have wanted to punch their the players on the field in the face before though, so I'm glad to see someone's done it. Jordan Pickford <laughs> threatens it every game. <laughs> but uh, this guy yeah. saw it and actually went full full capacity on it. So the, the um, only goalkeeper that Dean respects, the one that punched <laughs> his teammate punched in the face. Yeah. That is the gibberish alarm. Sam, it's time for gibberish. Yeah, right. Gibberish this week. It's just time for me to do some complaining again. I think this week I've ranked my top three household items that I can just never find. And it drives me up the wall. I'm sure we've all got these, but there are certain items that you just, whenever you need them, they're just not there. They're not where you left them. They're not where you think they'll be. You try three different places. Nope, not at all. And at number three, we'll go nail clippers. And this can get pretty stressful because if it's been a couple of days since you have been trying to find your nail clippers and you can't find them, well, the reason you need your nail clippers is because your nails are too long. You need to clip them. And then two more days on top of that, well, they're even longer, and that's a nightmare. A pair of scissors, man. 
I don't have any nail scissors. I can't use those. I'm not skilled enough. Use normal scissors. Oh, I can't use those either. That's I tried that actually on holiday when I was in San Diego or Newport. One of them, I I realised I was like, oh, that that toenail's a bit long. I'm going to just cut that with a normal pair of scissors and sliced my the toe next to my big because <laughs> <I'm laughs> so, so I just sliced it um yeah so I had a huge cut on my toe for the entire week I'm not you, surprised what I'm not surprised I would, I would also do the exact yeah, same thing also just to, just to qualify here is that scissors generally built for right-handed people when I'm left-handed so I actually actually struggle to use scissors quite a lot so yeah. then if I can't cut some wrapping paper with scissors I sure as hell aren't going to try it yeah, on my no, toe, okay. my toe right. yeah. body that, is, that is a decent that is a decent caveat I'll give you that yeah so in at number two is my hairbrush and I know who's responsible for this it's Rach I specifically there's only one other person that lives with you now it could be the cats it could be the cats it could be the hairbrush gnomes you know the ones that steal hairbrushes everyone's heard of them I've asked her not to use my hairbrush and when we shared a hairbrush it was fine because we shared one but I then went out and bought my own hairbrush my specific it's a different color it's a different make and she actually owns two of her own hairbrushes and I have one and I put it in the exact same spot on the desk in the bedroom every single morning or most mornings whenever I can find it and I say that that's mine please don't use that because uh, I need it but you say I, that every day that's mine please <laughs> please please don't if you said that to me every day I would use it every day I'd be like yeah I'm gonna use this just to wind you up it's not every day because it goes missing for a few days and then eventually I'll find it like at some other random point in the bathroom or in her study or something and she's taken it away and I'm just like look you have two of your own can you just not use mine please like I did buy my own specifically to avoid this and so now, I, sometimes I now brush my hair with just my hand. <laughs> get, yeah. some co- get some combs. Get some yeah. combs. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm the other way. I just steal tailors every morning and probably don't put that back. So I you can't are the problem. Yeah, I need to buy one. I'll order one today. Right, number one. This is the one that really gets me going. This actually makes me like angry. The tape measure. I can never find the tape measure, ever. It's like the most elusive item in my house. I don't know where it lives. I don't know where it hangs out. I don't know who it frequents with. Does it go and sleep over at other people's houses or something? I don't know. I can never find it. And at the moment, I'm moving offices in my house, and I'm trying to move things around, trying to order a new desk, trying to measure my desk to see, all right, what what measurements do I need? Don't know. Can't find the tape measure. How, How high does this chair go up? Don't know. Can't find the tape measure. How wide is this room? Don't know can't find the tape measure we need to buy five and just have mm. them in every room i think that's the solution because this has been going on too long it's been a couple of years uh, it, seriously like i'll find it in like two months and it'll be under the sink or keep in it the... in your toolbox I... where's the toolbox mate yeah. <laughs> lost oh, that mate. i was <laughs> in the cutlery <laughs> drawer the toolbox is very important no i keep it in the toolbox that's where that's how that's how you never lose it i ain't, I ain't got important. a toolbox my toolbox is actually a shoe box with the occasional bit, like the occasional <laughs> yeah. couple of screwdrivers in it. But like, it's still a toolbox because it has all my tools in it. Um, I've actually, um, I've lost one of my screwdrivers. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm one down on those as well. So this is not an isolated Rachel's probably pushing it through her hair because she's taking back the hairbrush. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, the tape measure really, really angers me. And this is the only one that I'm like, when I can't find my hairbrush, I'm like, oh, that's so annoying. Nail clippers, all right, it's a bit stressful. When I can't, I've got to the point now where when I go and find, try and find the tape measure and I can't find it within two minutes, I get like, like I, I, I like coarse with anger. I get really annoyed because there's, I, 
I hate wasting my own time. And there's no well, big waste to wasting time. other people's time. Exactly. <laughs> he doesn't mind that. And <laughs> I don't mind doing that at all. That's your problem. Um, <laughs> there's no bigger waste of my time than walking up and down my house trying to find a tape measure. No, I would, I would, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. That does sound like a gigantic waste of time. So, mm. so fair play to you. Fair play to you. All right, on that bombshell, I think we're going to call it a day, lads. Sam's got to go find all of the items that he's mislaid <laughs> around his house. So I don't want to keep him for any longer. No. Um, but all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to Dean Jones. <laughs> cheers, mate. Thank you very much, Sam Ty. Yeah, cheers, buddy. Excellent ranking today, Sam. Well done. Very, very good. Enjoyed myself a lot. And it's thank good you. to be back as a trio. My name has been Jack Collins. This has been Ranks FC. Thank you so much for listening as ever. Uh, if you have enjoyed the pod, please do make sure to go and give us a rating or a review on iTunes. They really help us to grow. And also share it with a mate. Why not? Why not? It feels like a giving time of the year. Share the pod with a mate who you think might like it uh, and help us to continue growing. Thank you so much for listening, Rank Squad. We'll see you next week. Take it easy. Peace.